Good morning, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us here today at the Christian Family Church. I want to say a big thank you to all the team that's been working on bringing this service to you. And I want to make a, a small confession that uh, these services aren't entirely live. We, we're trying to make it feel as much like it is a live service for you. But uh, our team has worked really hard over the weeks gone by when we're still able to get together to record uh, our, our songs in particular. We've got a whole bank of songs we've recorded for the services in the coming weeks and months, however long it might be. And I just want to say a huge thank you to our team that have brought that together. If you're joining us for this morning for the first time, I really want to say a huge welcome to you. You're uh, so welcome to join us with today and in the weeks going ahead. We need faith at this time. We need the message of hope to fill our hearts and to encourage us. Whether you've lost your job, whether you're just overrun with kids at home, it's been a bit crazy at our place this last few weeks. I just really pray that this, this service would encourage you, that it would lift you up, that you would feel inspired and equipped for the weeks ahead. And I just want to pray for you now before we start our time together and just pray that God will really touch your heart by His Holy Spirit today. Lord God, we look to you right now. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love every person, that you know every person, the situation they're in, the struggles, the challenges, even the joys, Lord, they've had this week. We just give you thanks for your love, for your goodness. And Lord, we look to you right now. We ask you, God, to speak to our hearts, bring encouragement, Lord, even as we begin to lift our voices and, and worship you in a moment. God, we just thank you for joining with us, meeting with us as we worship you today, as we open your word and we just thank you for your presence. And God, we ask you to lead us forward. We ask you to, to empower us as your church to, to bring your hope to the world around us at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. As we talked about last week, we may go through storms, but he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to bring you through the storms that we're going through today and every day. He loves you and he wants to be with you uh, wherever you are. You know, next week we're going to be celebrating the anniversary of what I believe is the greatest event in human history, that Jesus came for us, He died on the cross for us, that we celebrate on Good Friday, and that He rose from the dead. He is alive again as He came alive on, the, on that Easter Sunday. We're going to be celebrating that next week and encourage you to join with us again, invite your friends, your neighbours, your family to join with us as we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look back a week before the events of Easter, at what was happening in Jesus' life. We're going to be talking about what God was doing on the earth at that time. We're going to read some the scripture as to what was happening at that time. But before we do, I just want to pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to read your word. Lord, when so many around the world are, are struggling with all kinds of other things on top of the coronavirus, and the challenges that we face today. God, we thank you for your word that speaks life to us. God, I just pray that you would uh, just speak into people's particular situations today, God, I pray. We thank you for just illuminating the, the realities of who you are and what you've done, for bringing revelation to people's hearts, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 21, and just before this, Jesus has been doing amazing miracles. He's been teaching the people and going from place to place, and the people are amazed at what Jesus has been doing and saying. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 21 and verse 1 this morning. It says this, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead 
Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from the Nazareth in Galilee. You know, after that, Jesus goes into the temple and it says he throws over the tables of the, in the temple and he, he drives out the people that are, that are trying to profit off the sacrifices going on in the temple. Then he goes out of the temple and he, he curses the fig tree, which we can see is, is a symbolic act of, of the figs that the, the, his people were shriveling up. There was a, a, a cursing of the fig tree and we could go right into that, but we won't right now. And then he talks with the Jewish religious leaders and they begin to challenge his authority. They continue to challenge his authority saying, what gives you the right to say these things, Jesus? And then in verse 28, we come to a story that Jesus tells and let's read that together now in verse 28 of chapter 1 in Matthew. Jesus says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. And if you've been home looking after kids during the coronavirus isolation period and you read that, you go, ah, it's not just us at home in our house. It happened in the Bible too. Sorry, little joke. We'll keep reading. But later, the boy that wouldn't do what he was told changed his mind and went anyway. When the father told the other other son, you go, and he said, yes, sir, I will, but he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live. But you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. You know, the title of my message this morning is, God Sees You. God sees you, He understands you, He knows what you need, and He sees you this morning. He sees you there sitting on the couch, in your pyjamas, eating your breakfast. He sees you. He understands what's happening in your heart, in your life, and He loves you. And my point number one this morning is, not just that God sees you, but God sees what's coming. God sees what's coming. He knows what's ahead. You know, there are so many people right now asking the question, how long is this going to go on for? Is it going to be for six months? Is it going to be for six weeks? Is it going to be for 18 months until the vaccine's created and, and we can finally kind of do life normal again? We just don't know. But God sees what's coming. 
He sees what's coming in this moment, in 2020. He sees what's coming in every moment, in all situations. And you know, that shouldn't be too surprising for us. If we understand who God is, if we understand that He is the one that created the heavens and the earth, the one who sustains all of creation, who who gives you every heartbeat and who gives you every breath, if we understand who He is, we should not be too surprised to hear that He sees what's coming. He knows the future. He created the world. He is God and He understands what's coming. I don't know if you noticed, in the very first part we read just a moment ago in Matthew 21, it says that Jesus sends the the disciples, a couple of them back, He says, go into the village over there and you'll see a donkey with its colt beside it. Uh, In the book of Mark and Luke, it actually goes on to say it's never been ridden. Um, and, And Jesus says, when someone comes and asks you why you're taking it, just say, the Lord needs it and He'll let, it, let you take it immediately. And that's exactly what happened. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh yeah, sure, Jesus knew the guy that lived down on the corner there. He knew that guy and He knew the, the colt, the, the donkey he had there. And He knew, he knew He'd prearranged that situation maybe and that's why He knew what was going to happen. But that is not the case. Jesus has been right up in the north of, Jer- of Israel He's been traveling right down through the whole different areas of Samaria and, and finally he's coming down to Jerusalem. And as he comes to Jerusalem, he knows because God sees what's coming. And you know, it's not just that Jesus knew about the donkey. If you read the next part, in, uh, he quotes from Zechariah. He says, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. You know, that, that, that was written in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, and that was written 500 years before Jesus came to this earth. You see, because God sees what's coming, He can speak to us and prepare us for what's to come in the days ahead. God knew that Jesus would come and ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's a little thing, but it's just one example of how God understands the big picture of our lives and, and humanity. He sees what's coming. And it says that many people praised Jesus on that day. They sang, uh, Hosanna, praise God, praise, praise, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And you know, they praised Him for what He had done. They praised Him for the, the amazing healings he'd, he'd done. They praised Him for the, the teaching He'd done. And they also praised Him for what they believed He was about to do. Because we need to remember that the people of Israel were under Roman occupation. They were ruled over by the Romans and they were feeling totally oppressed in that time and season. And they'd been waiting for the Messiah. They they knew about the promised Messiah that God had spoken about who had come to deliver His people. And at that particular point in history, they believed that the Messiah would would rise up, that He would rise up as as probably a military leader and and overthrow the Romans, that he'd raise up an army and they'd drive out the Romans and they would be delivered. Now, in the whole scheme of humanity, that, to me, kind of seems like quite a small mindset because Jesus came to do so much more than just deliver a people, a nation, from a particular other nation at a point in history. He came to deliver all people for all time, so that we could be free and have life as He designed us to have. But they praised Him, they sang, Hosanna, blessed be the one. And it says the whole city was in uproar, and some people said, who is this man? Who is this guy? Why are people so excited? They didn't understand who He was. 
And I want to suggest to you this morning that the greatest question you can ever ask is, who is this man? It's the greatest question I've ever asked. It's, it's, it's the answer that I received from that question that has given me the greatest hope in this life. Because when we begin to ask the question about who is Jesus, and we begin to discover the answer of who he is, it gives us hope and life. Because Jesus is the saviour of the world. He is God come to the world that he loves to save us from our sin and give us forgiveness and grace and peace and hope and life and all that is good. We all deserve judgment, but Jesus came because God so loved the world. I want to encourage you today, maybe you're watching this service, you're you're joining with us for the very first time today, and I want to encourage you, if you're kind of weighing things up and thinking, yeah, I'm interested, I'm not quite sure, I want to encourage you, ask that question, who is this man? You might like to check out the the Alpha series that talks all about who is this man, Jesus? Because he's either an absolute lunatic who who says these things that are crazy and he was never going to do what he said he was going to do. Or he's demon-possessed, he does these amazing things, but it's, it's some kind of demonic power that does them through him. Or he actually is who he said he is. And we should listen to what he says, and we should turn and follow him. I want to encourage you, ask that question. Continue to ask that question your whole life. Who is this man? Continue to discover. You might have been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years, but keep asking that question. Discover more about who Jesus is and what his plans for you are. So then we see that Jesus goes into the city of Jerusalem and the religious leaders start to challenge his authority and question him and he he tells the story about the two sons. And in verse 31, Jesus says that these, these prostitutes and tax collectors, these people that were seen as the worst of sinners in Jesus' time, that they would inherit the kingdom of God and that those teachers of religious law would not if they did not repent also. You see, the word repent, it means to, to change one's mind, to change directions. And it talks about these, this, this son who, who decides not to obey the father, but then later changes his mind and goes a different direction. He repents, he changes direction and does something different. And Jesus is saying to these religious leaders, you think you're going the right way, you think you're doing everything okay, but you need to change your heart, you need to change your mind, you need to turn and follow me. Because Jesus is the Saviour, He is the Messiah, the one who has come to save us from our sin. Now, point number two this morning is that God, you know, point one was God sees what's coming, but point two, God sees our past. God sees our past as well, but He also forgives. God knows what you've done, God knows the things you've said, the people you've hurt, the things you've done in your life. And it doesn't please him, but God offers you his forgiveness. He knows your past. He sees what you've done. And nothing can separate you from his love if you will repent. If you will say, God, I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Please forgive me. The Bible says he will forgive you. He loves you and he is for you, not against you. God sees our past, but he also forgives Straight after these passages, it goes on in chapter 22, and I want to read you the story that he shares in chapter 22 as well. He says in verse 1, Jesus also told them other parables, he said. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king 
who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent out other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready, come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And just a little pause for a moment. It's an interesting statement Jesus makes in this story. Because we know in 70 AD that the city of Jerusalem was burnt down. Maybe it's a prophetic statement even that Jesus knew what was coming and was declaring. Verse 8, And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honour. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. Can you imagine that room in that moment? The king's palace with these hundreds or thousands of people. The people that no one normally invited to a wedding. The people that no one normally sent the invitation to. The, the king invites them in. They all come in. The banquet is filled. It's, it's, it's laid on the table. There's food everywhere. There's people everywhere. There's noise. And, and can you imagine that space? Then verse 11 he says, But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Now, I want to pause there again and say, in this time, in this culture, the practice was not just to, to uh, buy suits and, and clothes for the, the bridal party, it was to clothe the wedding guests as well. Can you imagine that? Like, we, we complain about the cost of weddings here, but they bought clothes for everyone that came to the celebration. But that was their culture. That's what they did. And it goes on, and he says, verse 12, Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without the wedding clothes? The man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, Point number three this morning, I want to say to you, God wants us to be with him for eternity. God wants you to come and be with Him forever in heaven. He wants you to join the celebration. He wants you to be a part of that feast. On the day when you go into eternity, He doesn't want you to be separated and in hell for eternity. He wants you to be with Him and have life and peace and joy forever. You know, just as the, the, the king had already paid for the wedding clothes, Jesus had, has paid the price for us to be forgiven, to put on those, those, that, that new nature and be invited to, to go into the wedding feast for eternity. God has paid the price and He simply says to us, will you come to me? Will you put on what I have died for you to have? Will you come and put on that new nature? Jesus has done it all through the cross. We're going to celebrate next week that He died and rose again for you and I. But the choice is ours. Just as it was up to that man to choose to put on the clothes that the king had purchased for him, it's a choice for us to receive the gift that God has given us. He did it for every one of us. 
The invitation has gone out. Every person is invited. But just as that man chose not to put on the wedding clothes, so many choose to ignore what God has done for them. Jesus died on the cross for every person. The invitation is there for every one of us, every person you know. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we've been. He sees our past, but He offers us forgiveness through Jesus Christ. It's not just about saying, God, please forgive me, then just doing the same thing. It's about putting on the new nature. It's about repenting, changing directions, and now living for God's glory. He loves you, He knows you, and He wants you to come and be with Him for eternity. Not only that, He wants you to know His presence today. It says Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us so that He would fill us, He would empower us, He would be our comfort, our guide in all seasons, in all challenges, in every aspect of our life, that we would live for His glory. I want to read one last passage from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. So right now the Apostle Paul is speaking to those who have already put their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have, have asked for God's forgiveness, if you've said, God, I, I, I'm sorry for my sin, I want to live for you, then you are one of those ones who has been raised to new life. And if you pray that prayer right now, you, you are a part of those people that Paul is speaking to. And he goes on and he says, in verse 2, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter if you've got coronavirus or not got coronavirus. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, what you've done in the past, where you live. It says Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you have been called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. 
Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. You know, my, my final point this morning is that we must surrender and put on His faith and love. He sees what's coming He knows our past, but He offers us forgiveness if we will surrender our lives, if we will acknowledge our sinfulness and just say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. If we will put our trust in Him, His love, His peace, His his joy will enter your heart. I I say that with personal experience that in my life, when when I became a Christian, when I truly put my trust in Jesus Christ, People started to call me Mr. Happy, and I could not explain why I was so happy. I didn't understand what God was doing in my life other than I had surrendered to His love. There were things happening in my life at that point which were really weighing heavy on me at, the, at that time in my life. But the moment I put my trust in Jesus, it was like the burden lifted off me, and I knew that God, the Creator of all things, loved me. And it didn't matter what was happening in this life, because I had the love of God. I had forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And God wants to lift you up. He wants to help you know His life and His love for you. And today we're going to finish our service in a moment by taking communion together. Now, if you've never taken communion this morning, I invite you to join us anyway, wherever you are. We're going to encourage you in a moment when we're going to play a song, but... uh, So don't go yet, but we're going to encourage you to to go in the kitchen, find a little piece of bread, find a bit of biscuit, find some grape juice or or whatever else you've got in the fridge. To be honest, God cares more about your heart as you do this than what you actually eat and drink. And Jesus said to do this in remembrance of Him, to remember the sacrifice that He's made for us. And every week as a church, we we take communion together. We remember what Jesus did on the cross, the, the bread, the biscuit that reminds us of His body that was broken, that He did this for us. And the cup of grape juice that reminds us of His blood that if you read through the Old Testament and you understand the significance of the blood, that, there was, that the covenant was sealed with the sacrifice of blood. And Jesus paid the price for our sin. His blood is the the offering that God receives. He he paid the price for us to have forgiveness and eternal life. We deserve to pay the death penalty for our rebellion against God. But Jesus paid the price for us. I want to pray for you today, right now, before we, we do that. I want to pray for every single one of you, wherever you are, wherever you're watching. And maybe today is the first time you've ever understood why Jesus came. Maybe you're listening in, it's the first time you've actually joined with a church anywhere to listen to a sermon, and you're just having this understanding that maybe God actually loves you. And I want to pray for you today. I want to ask God that He would speak into your heart and and help you understand who He is. Would you just pray with me now together? Lord God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that you are the one who sees us wherever we are. Lord, we may be alone and isolated physically. We may not have seen another single soul in the last two weeks, but God, you see us. God, you see what's coming. You see our past. But Lord God, you offer us forgiveness. 
And God, I just pray right now for anyone watching this service, anyone who's joining with us right now, that they would understand who you are. That they would understand that, Jesus, you have done it all for us and that you simply want us to come with gratefulness, to repent of our sin, to say, God, I'm sorry for our sin. And if that's you right now, just say, God, help me to understand. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. I believe God is going to continually, day by day, in the weeks ahead, continue to help you understand and grow in your understanding and your, and your love of God and your, your awareness of His love for you. I want to encourage you now, as, as the band comes, to go and find those, those biscuits, that, that bit of bread, that bit of juice, or maybe even just a cup of water. And let's just hold on to those elements this morning as we wait for this song to finish and we're going to take communion together. God loves you and He is with you. Let's do this now. God, we thank You so much for Your grace, for Your love for us, God. God, we thank You for this moment that we can stop and just remember that you have done everything for us to have the victory in this life and for eternity. God, we thank you for just helping us to be aware of your presence by your Holy Spirit. That Jesus, you rose again and you went to the Father and said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, that he will lead you, he will fill you, he will empower you to live for me. And God, we thank you that we are new creations, that you clothe us, that you, you have made us new, God that we have been invited to join with you for eternity, that we can have relationship with you even today. And God, I just thank you for this moment that we can eat and drink together, that we can celebrate, that we can declare our hope is in you. Let's eat and drink together, church, as we celebrate what Christ has done for us. Thank you, God. I want to say again a huge thank you for joining us today. Uh, please continue to chat after, this, after the service is finished. You can comment below in the chat there. You can request prayer. Maybe this morning if you have made a, a, a decision to say, yes, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, you can click on that button below that says, I want to raise my hand and say, yes, that's me. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. You can click on that button there just to let us know and someone's there to chat with you via the, the, the chat box there and talk with you and encourage you. Uh, please, don't, don't just not tell someone if that's you today. God loves you. So glad that we can come together, even at this time of social isolation. We're going to continue to, to, to meet as a church. We're having Zoom meetings all through the week and Bible studies happening. If you'd like to be a part of one of them, please send us an email at cfccolac.com at gmail.com or you can uh, chat below here or contact us however you can. Give us a phone call. Uh, after the service, there's going to be some, some Zoom chats happening as well with different people. You might like to join one of them. They're in the comment section below me um, or off to the side, depending where you're watching. Click on one of those Zoom chats. You can have a cuppa and chat about the service with people or just see how people are doing and connect. Let's not be in isolation at this time. We might be physically isolated, but let's support each other, let's encourage each other and continue to, to be an encouragement as we are encouraged ourselves as we meet over Zoom and, and, and coming together as His church. God bless you, God loves you, and so do we. 
Have a great week and can't wait to join with you again soon. Bye for now.